You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what you must do. You must hit us up on all of those social medias at TNW Pod. Go there on the Twitter. Uh, uh, Talking Wrestling Podcast uh, at Instagram. Uh, Talking Wrestling, that's Facebook, Facebook slash Talking Wrestling. Uh, we are on Spotify, Talking Wrestling. Give us a follow, put us on a list, Say, spread the word, share us. Uh, we are also on iTunes, Apple Music on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and a favorable review, and we will, um, well, you know what we'll do, we'll send you a postcard from 1983, 84, of a wrestler of your choice. Um, what else? Uh, Facebook. Uh, yo, send us a Gmail. Let us know what you think of the show. You want us to ask a question for the Q&A coming up very soon. You might want to do that. So send a question in and uh, we'll get that question in. And it'll be good at TalkingWrestling at gmail.com. Now remember, Talking Wrestling is T-A-L-K uh, apostrophe. N W R E S T L I N G. Talking wrestling. Like Hulk Hogan's rockin' wrestling. Very easy. So if you could do all that, folks, we would appreciate it. Uh, cool. That would be great. I hope you're doing well. I hope everybody's keeping well. And uh, we got a great episode for you today um, from a Saturday Night Live alumnus. Uh, Brooks Whelan will be on the show. Very, very funny comedian. And, uh, yeah, he'll be uh, on the show. And we're, well, why am I even keep saying the show? We're on the show. So let's throw to it right now. Um, we're doing this via Zoom. This is my first Zoom. So uh, let's see how it turns out. Uh, Brooks, uh, Casey, take it away. All right. All right, folks, with me at this time, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, you might have known him. Uh, he's a Saturday Night Live alumnus. He's a great comedian that tours all over America. And uh, you might have heard of his podcast called The Entry Level. Uh, he had me on last week. We had a great time. And uh, now he's with me on Talking Wrestling. Brooks Whelan, thanks uh, for joining us on Talking Wrestling. Yeah, Casey, what's up? Not too much, not too much. Uh, yeah, I had a great time on your pod. And, uh, you know, so if you're listening to this, go listen to that after because... Yeah, uh, we were not talking wrestling the whole time. So, you but know. you did tell a, a tremendous Undertaker story. Yes, I did, and I came to a revelation. Now, everybody listening to this show knows that story. That uh, the revelation I had when I was telling you, I think, was in the story when he's like, "You tell Val Barcher, Mark Calloway says hello." I <laughs> I always took that like he was saying, and then he says, "Oh, I'm Mark." 
And I was like, oh, you're telling me I know who The Undertaker is. I know your real name. I'm a, I'm a fan. So I said, I know. But at that time, I was mistaken. Like, what he was doing was he told he said, you tell Mark Calloway I said hello. Or you tell Val Belcher I said hello. I'm right. Mark. He was now introducing himself to me as a regular person because we have a friend in common. And, oh, and you goofed. And I should have said... Oh, great to meet you, Mark. Uh, Val's a great guy, and uh, I'm a huge fan of your work. But I didn't. So I was telling Matt McCarthy this from We Watch Wrestling uh, in a po- uh, on text thread the other night, and he goes, don't worry. When you meet him at WrestleMania next year, you can tell the story all over, and he won't even remember. That's great. I know. Yeah, he- now I'm so excited to meet him again because I get to name drop our friend and we get to do it all over with a different adventure. It's like a choose your own adventure in life. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be like, hey, I met you a long time ago. I said this. Just start it over and see what he says. I know. There won't be any guy there to fucking be like, oh, how are your wife and kids? Like the guy's had four oh, marriages. Come on. He's still a pro Dude, he's athlete. All he's all religious now. His wife and kids are great. Yeah. Yeah. Most pro athletes go religious when they retire. You know, yeah. they they have no choice because they have. And they're to not on the road anymore. Exactly. Um, yeah, I saw him do like a really like a, a Mark Calloway interview with some fucking preacher or pastor. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. It's like an it's hour like long. two hours or something like yeah, that. I watched it all. It was fascinating. <laughs> I'm like, he's now he comes out of the taker to do an interview with his pastor all right i mean his wife definitely making him do this and it's one of those pastor buddies you know like not only am i your pastor i'm your buddy you know like and then it's like he's that guy and it's just like it's everything that you think a sketch like it would be like a sketch on snl like it's everything that you think of the sketch or the righteous uh gemstones type thing like i that that kind of stuff is so surreal to me and the mm-hmm. fact that it exists, like in the Bible Belt through America, uh, it, yeah. it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's very funny. He, it was incredible. I was fascinated. Yeah, the Undertaker. He just uh, had the last episode of his uh, Michael Jordan-esque documentary series on the WWE Network. Wait. Oh, it's on the WWE Network. Yeah, and it's called uh, "The Last Ride," I think, like that or something like that. And oh my God! What so it's about when he went to Saudi Arabia for or whatever for you know ten million dollars? Yes, it goes over his entire career, and it's all split up in a, episodes. It's like the WWE's answer to the Michael Jordan documentary. They're like, "Well, we got a Michael Jordan, and his name's the Undertaker." You know, I gotta watch it. I love, I fucking love uh, WWE. Like their documentaries. They yeah, well, yeah. Well, I I like the ones that aren't WWE related because they go a little deeper like the rick flair one was the funniest thing i'd ever seen oh yeah yeah the uh the espn 30 for 30 on rick yeah, flair. yeah oh yeah nothing beats a good espn 30 for 30 and the rick flair one is just it's insane because he's bragging like nobody like when i was in high school i bragged about how much i drank because it was an yeah. accomplishment he's still that guy no exactly Dude, I watched that. Uh, it came out when I was on tour with John Oliver, and like we just kept doing Ric Flair to each other because he's got a lisp and it's weird. And he he would just be like, "So then it was me, and the only thing I couldn't defeat a Holiday Inn bar." Like he just 
yeah, he's like, I, I just took down Shawn Michaels, but then the uh, the fucking I don't know, uh, I, I can't even think of a goddamn like a Clarion Inn. I don't know. Oh no, it's what always it's always it's always look, it's look always the Marriott. It's always the Marriott. Oh, he's like, oh boy, oh lord, we closed down in Marriott the other night. Oh lord, let me tell you. Oh, 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 he, he, Vince was there. Oh, 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 you know, like. Yeah, it was great, man. He's, his, I stayed up. Sorry, go ahead. His Right now, his wife has COVID, and she's on the third floor, and he's in the basement, yet he's still making appearances on Monday Night Raw. So I'm like, <laughs> dude, you were such a fucking, you were such a, um, you know, a hazard right now. You know, like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Stay away, stay away from your house, or stay away from the wrestling. Uh, either or. <laughs> That's incredible, dude. I stayed. Um, I got to go to WrestleMania two years ago, uh, in New Orleans, and I, um, because the girl I was dating, dating was doing stuff for WWE because she's a comedian, and so they put us up. So we stayed in the same hotel as all the wrestlers. Oh, that's awesome. It was super fun, but um, and I'm friends with. Uh, here's like a fun story. I'm friends with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, um, I've listened to him on your pod. Yeah, it was great. He's awesome. He's great. He's like a really nice guy, and he like we both like amateur wrestling a lot, and he's in the comedy scene. And so like he didn't. I was out late in New Orleans or whatever, and uh, like you are, like you are. And then I walked back into the hotel. This is like the night before WrestleMania. Yeah, and Nick. Uh, is anybody who listens to this knows his name? Nick's sitting at the bar with like a bunch of his buddies who are pro wrestlers that I like. Um, and he's like, Yo, Brooks, I was like, What's up, man? And he's like, Sit down, sit down. He didn't know he was inviting a blackout fan of wrestling to yeah. his table of wrestlers. And I just sat down, and I was like, Fuck Brock Lesnar, you're not getting pushed. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then he like had to be like, okay, man, well, maybe you take off now or something. Like he didn't, he's so sweet and nice. He didn't like ask me to leave, but you could tell his friends were like, Why did you invite this fucking fan over to our table? We were chilling out. And I just was like, You're the man, you guys rule. Where's Vince? I'll talk to him for you. Like, just so awful. Oh my god, that was great. That's awesome. Like uh, last and year, and then I'm sure when I left. Wait, tell me. It, okay. it goes for it goes better. So then <laughs> the next night, I run in. I run into Nick again at WrestleMania backstage or whatever, and he he was so fucking cool. And he's so nice. And then he's like, um, "Yo, we're hanging out tonight. Like we're gonna we're gonna get drunk, you know, because it's their WrestleMania. You know, they they drink afterwards. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna drink it up on this floor. Um, and, and I was like, oh, amazing. He's like, come come. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then I texted him later that night, and he didn't respond till the next day, which he was like, oh, sorry, I missed this. And I guarantee what happened was he told his buddies that he was drinking with. He's like, hey, I'm going to invite my, that guy Brooks. And they're like, the guy from last night? No fucking way, man. <laughs> but not only that, that's like the after WrestleMania party where all the wrestlers are there. So Dude, Charlotte was so wasted because we, we went to, like, the main party, but he's like, yo, we're dipping out of this party. Fuck this party. We're going to a different one. Okay. And – uh, that's the one that I, I got kind of invited to, then disinvited. Yeah. But the main one, Charlotte had just won the title, and she's blasted. And it was so fucking rad. Oh, my God. That is uh, that is insane. I love it. The um, last year, SummerSlam was in town. And uh, so when Dolph was coming through, he does the DZ comedy tour, and he comes through yeah. with Sarah. And, uh, and then he... Uh, 
he I guess through the promoter he's like find me uh, a comedian uh, a local or whatever so the people are like who's uh, a comedian that knows wrestling and and is a good comedian and there are a lot of open micers in Toronto that are like that but like you know I'm I'm a touring like this is all i do i'm a headliner and you have it yeah you have a podcast i have a podcast about wrestling i have specials on television uh all that stuff so i was very happy that i didn't know this was going on but like 33 people said i was the per the guy said you were overwhelmingly the people the all the comedians said you so he reached out so i got to do this uh i got to be on the dz comedy tour and uh and it was pretty good uh, it was pretty awesome because, first of all, it was after uh, the NXT card, so it was like at eleven o'clock. It was kind of like a midnight show, and it amazes me because Dolph was pounding the uh, the fireball, the Jack Daniels fireball, and uh, Dude, that guy is. He, I mean, to he's just fucking like yeah. That guy hangs out and then wakes up and works out at six in the morning. It's incredible. He's so fucking, well, yeah. he he had to wrestle Brock Lesnar the next day. Or no, it wasn't Brock Lesnar. It was Goldberg. He had to wrestle Goldberg the next day. And at Gold- SummerSlam. Yeah. At SummerSlam, at, not some bullshit. Dude. No, at SummerSlam. And not only that, he took like five Goldberg spears. like Or or like he took the move five different times. And every time he took it, he got up and he was like, is that all you got? And it was it was so entertaining. But like the fact that... I was at the venue till like maybe two thirty in the morning with him, and he's got to wrestle like not like you know at a reasonable time. Like it was amazing that I'm like, man, you would. Dude, it's it's he's amazing. Just a professional. It's his just his job. Like when I ran into him backstage at WrestleMania, he just got they had like the Andre the Giant um battle royal or whatever yeah and he got thrown out and like he's like backstage like in his gear like just walked out of wrestlemania like in his backstage like seconds ago I go man that sucked and he's like what i go you got thrown out he goes oh yeah 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 i was like you just went out of WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah you're mark you're marking out you're like but you're not gonna win the winner's purse you're like there's yeah, no yeah. he's like oh purse. yeah no that's fine man here you want to hang out later i was like yeah what are you talking about i uh um, before i left there was uh, it was crazy that night though because uh, there were all these independent wrestlers that were sort of hanging around, and then there was the people that were on the show, and then there was uh, his his uh, he like okay so they have like um, you know um, uh, what do they call those things oh where somebody's running and they're to- uh, a rickshaw you know what a rickshaw is like a sure, rickshaw yeah, ride like Kramer has one in Seinfeld him and exactly yeah. yeah so there was a rickshaw runner hanging out that's a comedian and he's a huge wrestling fan so i think he was kind of stalking the venue waiting for dolph to uh walk up so finally he saw him and he approached dolph and asked him if they wanted a rickshaw so they took the rickshaw and then he's like yeah i'm a comedian and i'm also a wrestling fan and dolph goes oh what are you doing tonight he goes oh no he first of all he volunteered the information that he was a comedian and then he said uh i think he said like you know, oh, I'm also, uh, I, I would come to your show tonight, but I'm already booked elsewhere. And the guy goes, well, why don't you drop that set and come do a set on my show? And he's like, really? So, of course, he was there, but he didn't go home. He was still, like, I walked backstage, 
And I was like, why is this? Why? Are, I don't understand why you were in this room. And, and, uh, and then, and then Dolph's like, we even got our rickshaw runner driver on our, on the show tonight. And he did well. Like everybody did well. Uh, J- there was a guy, Jason sensation who was a wrestling impersonator, but that used to be in the WWE. He was also on the show, but the last time WWE was in town, he phoned in a gun threat. So, it, it, so all of a sudden the wrestlers are backstage going, what the fuck is Jason sensation doing here? Like, and they're like, didn't he throw in a, didn't he call in a gun threat the last time we were in town? Yeah. Why is he on the show? The guy's like, it was insane. And then everybody was drinking. There were all these wrestlers backstage and it was so much fun. And then the last thing I said to Dolph was, uh, I said, um, oh, hey, I gave my card for my podcast. And I said, I would love to have you on my podcast, but I don't want to talk wrestling with you. I just want to talk 80s hair metal and that's it. And I think that would be very funny that wrestling fans would get upset because I had you on the show and we didn't talk wrestling. But I was like, I know you love hair metal. I know I love hair metal. I think this would be a great podcast. You know, and I was yeah. like, you're the wrestler. That's the wrestling content. That's it. So, yeah. you know, I did the same thing with Mick Foley. I was like, if you want to come on my show and we'll just discuss Christmas movies, that's all we'll do. Like, I'm trying to offer something different to try to get right. these guys on the show that yeah, I've worked when, with, when, but, when, you know. Yeah. yeah, when Nick did mine, we just talked about college wrestling the whole time because he was a really good college wrestler. Yeah, he, he was, was, he he was incredible. Like, he was All-American, yeah, he was, was he um, not? No, he was one round before All-American. It's called the Blood Round. So he was uh, top 12 in America. That's insane. And, like, you you come from, like, you have family, relatives that are involved in amateur. I don't want to call it amateur wrestling. Uh, no, what is it's it? amateur wrestling. No, it's, I mean, that's what Olympic wrestling is. Yeah, my brother is the coach of a team that's uh, back-to-back state champions. They're um, two-time defending uh, state champions in Iowa right now, which that's- is Iowa's, like, for the United States, Iowa is, uh, Iowa's, like, I mean, it's the biggest wrestling state, yeah. but it's also Pennsylvania and Ohio are really are better at wrestling, but it's all Iowa has, so it's like it's regarded very well. That's awesome, and that's so cool. Yeah. Now, you guys being like from a wrestling sort of uh, like a, an amateur wrestling uh, family, were like, what was it like when you got into pro wrestling, or is there a pro wrestling snub anywhere or or do you guys just like pro wrestling is its own thing and this is this and they're separate and they yeah no they were they were just completely separated because we were wrestling before we got into pro wrestling like, yeah um and then in like you know what for me third or fourth grade is when you know attitude era i remember the first wcw i ever watched was like the beginning of goldberg streak i forget who he speared and then what's his final move i forget what it's like uh, the jackhammer yeah, he jackhammered some guy who hadn't taken his fucking cape off yet. And it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And then, you know, it was the Hollywood Hulk Hogan and NWO showing up. And that was just, you know, the perfect storm. Uh, and it was absolutely, yeah, just separated one million percent between that and, and amateur wrestling. Like, um, we would, you know, like, uh, we would pro wrestle out in the snow, you know, and yeah. you could do, you know, like, you could suplex and stuff into like, you know, uh, snow a bunch of snow. I remember I, I remember I uh, uh, reverse DDT my brother and I missed the snow part and just did it onto the gravel. And he was so upset. 
Because yeah. that's when Sting was, you know, Sting versus Hogan. God, that was a great feud. That's probably the best feud of all time for me was Sting Hogan. Starcade 97 was like, peak doesn't get better than this. No, 97 was like the year for wrestling, at least for me, because as a Bret Hart fan, his year from January to December, well, it ended November, but um, was just phenomenal and amazing. Like his match, yeah, yeah. like he had that match with Stone Cold at WrestleMania. And then I was, I was, I was WCW forever and then moved over to WWE. Where so did, I, I wasn't even watching any of that. I was pure WCW, but go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's crazy. Like, yeah, like we always like in Canada, WCW was hard to come across unless um, you're like my family. We always had illegal cable boxes. And yeah. um, so we had TBS ever since I was a kid. So I would always get WCW or and or Saturday night. So I'd see that. But I never got to I never got the channel that had Nitro until we got a satellite dish later on maybe in 99 or something like that then yeah you know I, I didn't watch wwe until uh until really stone cold took over and w you know like bash at the beach happened and it was just you know it was exactly what uh it was just you know wcw was fucking terrible programming and wwe was great and so that's when we went you know dx yeah. dx really brought me over you know once dx happened and i could yell suck it at school and without getting really any trouble it was incredible <laughs> i was so like i was like you know i'm 46 so i was older and uh i was working in restaurants all the time and oh my god you could not i it was at a point where i was wearing wrestling shirts out in public in 97 and it wasn't cool yet, or I don't know if it's ever been cool, but I would go out publicly to bars, and I'd be wearing a DX shirt, and all the guys would be, like, high-fiving me and everything, but no attention from girls whatsoever. They don't know what the X means or, or anything, you know. Well, they know it means suck it, and it's very misogynistic. <laughs> um Oh shit! I forgot what I was just gonna say. Uh, I went to a I went to a pro wrestling. I went to like a taping uh, in college one time, and my friend brought a "Bring Back Disco Inferno" sign. Yeah, and I forget who it was walking down the. He was, you know, it was somebody was in character. God, I I don't remember who it was. Son of a bitch! But he was like coming down all tough, and then we you know we were right against the thing. And my friend shoves that sign in his face, and he got mad. And he shoved it, and then he like read it, and he started laughing. And he said, I like that. <laughs> It was so fucking dope. Oh man, incredible! One time, um, my buddy, uh, my buddy Rob has a great story where he was in the airport, and uh, there was wrestling fans that were hanging out because all the wrestlers were leaving town from Monday Night Raw the next morning, and so it was early in the morning, and he watched a fan walk up to Stone Cold and said, "Hey, Stone Cold, can I get your autograph?" And he had the pencil or the pen and the paper ready. And Stone Cold's got his little trolley, and he stops, and he signs the paper. And then the guy says, hey, you know, um, Stone Cold, Mr. McMahon is really kicking your ass all over the screen these days, isn't he? And then all of a sudden, Stone Cold just switch, turned the character on. He looked at him. He snapped the pen in two in his fingers. He threw the pen and book on the ground, and then he Stone Cold fucking walked away with his trolley. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. And my buddy goes, it was awesome. And then like, oh, there was no that, music playing, 
But I, but my buddy was like, I swear you could hear music like dun 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 dun. Stone Cold was the the best. My even my mom loves Stone Cold. Like he's incredible. Um. Oh wait. Okay. I remember I was gonna say earlier when we were talking about suck it. Do you know Mike Bridenstein? No, I don't. Well, he's a comedian. He's great. He's a friend of Mike Burns and Vince's. And oh, cool. I probably I probably have met him then. I just not can't remember him right now. So. Well, okay, so when I met you at Vince's wedding, Bridenstine couldn't come, so I took Bridenstine's room. Okay. That's in that group of friends. Uh, at his wedding, I had this. I was pretty drunk, and I had this whole plan, and I wasn't paying attention to anything because um, uh, he married Vicky, uh, wonderful, his wife now, and um, I wasn't paying attention, and I, and I just went up to, like, you know, grab the mic, like, right before uh, we had dinner served. And um, I, would, I didn't realize I was too focused on what I was going to do. That was a great joke. And uh, I didn't think about it. And Vicky's dad is a preacher. And he gives this amazing, like, uh, you know, hey, guys, like, let's pray to let's thanks to God. And uh, Vicky's African-American and Brido's white. And he's like, look at this union. Like, everybody can get together. Like, we should all love each other. And it was uh, so heartfelt and beautiful and a prayer and everyone's like really into it. And then I wasn't thinking as soon as he finishes, I grab the mic from the the DJ and I go, and if you're not down with Br- Brido and Vicky's wedding, I got two words for you. Suck it. And like, <laughs> and like it's, it gets no response. No response. At the wedding and, and no response yes, at the right wedding. After the, right after the prayer. And then I didn't know this later. One of Vicky's like cousins wanted to beat me up. Like they had to talk him down. <laughs> yeah, drunk, he's like, I fucking hate that guy. I'm just gonna, I gotta go shut him up. Like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. that's so great. Like, okay, you know what? I heard that story at the at from I I heard that story. I don't know. I heard it. I think Vince or somebody told me that story at the wedding, and I yeah. was like, I was I was like, that might be the greatest wedding story I've ever heard in my life. And it's yeah, just man, like, I just million. love that you, and we got two words for you. Suck it. No? no? Yeah, I, I mean, read the room wrong? No? Even Burns was like, that was a big swing, man. <laughs> <laughs> even the comedians were like, I didn't like that. No. <laughs> no, buddy. Like, it's like the, that's the fucking best. Yeah, I came back to sit at the table, and my oh. girl, my fiance at the time was just like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> She's like, no, no, don't even. It's, it's, we, it's very we, old we school. Didn't up like a week, yeah, we broke up like a week later. Maybe it was that. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Do you think? <laughs> like, well, every I time mean, she goes back and sees her friends that are probably friends of the bride, they're like, uh, is that not? That is a red flag if I've ever seen one. You know, well, I think the well, probably the red flag was like the other guy she was seeing. That was probably more oh, of it. But this, yes, no. yeah. yeah. Well, he should suck it. So <laughs> yeah, that, that is exactly. the best story. Um, uh, yeah. So, oh man. Oh boy. And I think I told you about just uh, how my brother is a huge Bret Hart fan. And I tell you how he ended up. He hates marijuana, but he had he got stuck in a hotel room with Bret Hart. While Bret Hart was just fucking ripping weed in front of him, and he was like so worried he was gonna get a contact high because he's a teacher, but he doesn't. Because <laughs> my brother, is, uh, he's great, 
and he's you know a wrestling coach in yeah. um, Waterloo, which is where the Wrestling Hall of Fame is, and they it's like pro and amateur wrestling Hall of Fame is in this town. Uh, it's not the WWE sanctioned whatever, but like they inducted Bret Hart. He comes. Yeah. And my brother, since he worked there, he's you know like you know a big he he works he has practices out of the Hall of Fame. They've got a wrestling room and everything, and he just ends up in a room with Bret Hart later that night because you know he's in charge of setting this all up and he's cool and he's the biggest Bret Hart fan in the fucking world. And then Bret Hart just starts just just smoking so much weed. This is like a decade ago yeah. in America, weed's still very taboo. Still like it's still really hard to get at that time. And then I get a call from him later. He's like, man, I was in a room where marijuana was smoked and I fucked. I'm like, you're fine, don't worry. And he was like, it was so cool. It was so cool. (laughs) Oh my God. That is great. Like every time I've met Brett, like the, okay. So like the first time I met Brett was like, uh, he was at a hockey tournament that was, um, he, he owns a hockey team or he used to, they're called the Calgary Hitman, And this is their logo. Whoa. Can can I get one of those? I'll just look it up online. Yeah. That's incredible. Look up, yeah, yeah, Calgary Hitman or and just go to their website. They'll, you can buy them off their website, I'm sure. But that's their logo. Like, that's on their jersey is the Bret Hart skull. And so the team was named after Bret Hart. They're the Calgary Hitman, and he owned them with a hockey player called Theo Fleury, I believe was also an owner of the team at the time. So anyways, the team went to the finals, and the finals were in Ottawa. And I was in Ottawa because I was a season ticket holder. And so I'm, I was like, the first night we played the Calgary, we, we, like, I remember I had binoculars and I was just scoping the audience looking. I, 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 it wasn't even confirmed that he was there, but I was like, he has to be here. So I have binoculars and the, and it's a, oh, sorry, one go ahead. No, oh, no, and it's, going, a, and it's a junior hockey arena. So it's not like a big arena. It's like a half size arena. Right. And, uh, so sure enough, my binoculars pick him up. There's Brett and his wife. And I'm like, awesome. So I just happen to have my Bret Hart sunglasses with me. Just happened to. And uh, I go over in between the periods. And now there's like a, 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 like a group of people that want to go down and get his autograph in between periods. So he's taking people. And they have security guards now there kind of directing the traffic down to him. And then they're like, no more autographs. And then I get in there and like, I was like, ah. And then I had my, my, my glasses. And then he's like, the guy with the glasses. And then I was like, oh, thank you. And, and it, he signed them. And then yeah. I was all excited. And then uh, all, what happened in the, uh, in the series was the, the goon that plays for Ottawa, he took out the best guy that played for Calgary that in a cheap shot. So yeah. after... After the uh, game, for some reason, the media is interviewing Bret Hart, and Bret's cutting a full-on promo on the goon from Ottawa, who's like 17 years old. He's like, yeah, if I ever see that guy in a dark alley, it'll be a rough day for him. Let me tell you that right now. And I was like, "What is? why is this on the news? Like, that's, it's not even, he's not going to beat up a 17-year-old in a dark alley, you know? But it was just so awesome that like this hockey player had a promo cut on him, cut on him by the owner of the other hockey team, who just happens to be Brett the Hitman Hart. So, oh, 
Yeah, so later on in the week, they play Ottawa in the finals. So this time I'm like, fuck, I'm bringing his first WWE magazine. So I bring that. It's from 1986. I have it cardboarded, you know. So fucking I go up to him again with the fucking magazine, and I meet him, and we're talking. And then uh, I said, uh, you know, I've seen you wrestle so many good matches in this arena. And he goes, yeah, I'm just, I've been reminiscing while watching some of these hockey games. I'm like, you and Shawn Michaels in the ladder right there right there and you know and he's like and he's like he's like i know you know like and we're like i was like oh my god you know so then i was so excited because i got the two things autographed that i wanted to get autographed and uh very excited went home told my mom how great brett was and everything and then that night we watched the pay-per-view and owen hart passed away it was so weird that i met brett my friend was at that pay-per-view Oh my God! What would did, did he see it or did he? Nobody saw I mean, it. Nobody. It was like he didn't know what happened. He didn't know until the next day that he passed away. Yeah, yeah. It's it, that was just like I watched it at home that night on TV. I still have it on the video cassette because I recorded everything. I still have that cassette, and um, it's insane. Like it is the most. It was the most saddest thing I've ever seen in my life ever happened and uh yeah it was just so weird and uh yeah but that's how the story ends that was the end of my day the first half of the day i met bret hart and then later on that day i watched his brother pass away like you're not a good story but right you know yeah 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 yeah. but um i got okay i have my brother meeting uh triple h story that's really fun all right so he was he was lifting weights and then uh, he, he's like a big guy and um, Triple H just comes into the gym, you know, to work out because they're in Cedar Rapids that night, Iowa. And my brother's like, hey, uh, game. He loved his favorite wrestlers is Triple H. So he's like, this is when he's the game. And he's like, hey, game, um, when you're done working out, I was just wondering if we could get a photo together. And, and Triple H was like, I, I, I really appreciate you let, uh, saying when I'm done working out for sure. Like he was like, thanks for not interrupting my workout. You got it. And then yeah. my brother realized he doesn't have a camera because this is before <laughs> camera phone. So now, he, and he had jogged there. It's like a three-mile jog, but he realized he needs to get home, get his camera, and get back. Uh, and he's not a fast runner, so he had to, like, sprint top speed to try to get back to get this photo with Triple H before Triple H leaves. And, like, the photo that he has, he's just, like, so out of breath and dying. It's just, like, him and Triple H. Because he just sprinted, like, six miles to get this photo. And it's super funny. Oh, my God. He's, like, that's, like, insane. Um, So, one time, Triple H came into the restaurant that I worked at. And um, and he came. But I wasn't there. But I knew he was there. And it was on a Thursday. And he came in. And he was with China. And uh, they signed a few things for the restaurant. And, and uh, so I got a bandana of my restaurant autographed by Triple H somewhere. But the bandana, it was, I worked at a restaurant called the Lone Star Cafe. It was a Texas-themed restaurant. Uh, yeah, listen, to, listen to my podcast if you want to hear more yeah, about the Lone ex- Star Cafe. Exactly, exactly. A Texas-themed restaurant where you worked as hard as a Texan and they paid you like a Mexican. And uh, that's what the Tex-Mex truly was. But anyways, uh, you know, uh, so anyways, Triple H was there and I didn't know, but they got me something autographed. So then 
uh, um, on Sunday, the wrestling is in town because he came in a couple days early to do some promo and then fuck off to Montreal for a show. And he was doing a loop type thing. So they come back to Ottawa on Sunday and Shawn Michaels is coming to the ring and he's got a Lone Star Cafe bandana on. And I was like, I didn't realize that Triple H just gave one of the bandanas to Shawn because Shawn's from Texas and it has the Texas flag all over it. Uh, what I thought was Shawn Michaels came to the fucking Lone Star and nobody fucking called me. Like I was, I didn't even have a, I like literally I was so angry and there was no cell phones back then, but I ran to the payphone after the match. I was like, who's managing? I want to spot. I want to speak to them, you know? And I was like, was Shawn Michaels in the restaurant earlier today? And they're like, who's Shawn Michaels? I'm like, don't pretend you don't know. It's the heartbreak kid, you know? And so I got this wicked picture where he has the title on and he's he's wearing the Lone Star bandana. And since they learned who he was, I gave them their pitch that picture and now it's up in their restaurant because Shawn Michaels is wearing a fucking Lone Star Cafe bandana. So That's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I got one more I got one more WrestleMania story. When because I was uh, the girl I was dating since she was like brought in by WWE uh, to make videos because she's a um, we got front row seats at WrestleMania. That's awesome. Uh, it was great. But so we're sitting there front row, uh, and um, there's like two seats open next to me this whole time. It's great. I just have these open seats next to me, and it's fucking dope. And then like out of nowhere, just big commotion comes, and it's fucking. I'm I'm sitting on the edge, and then right me is Dana White walks in with his bodyguard, who's the out of UFC because he came to watch Ronda Rousey wrestle. Yes. When she was wrestling at WrestleMania. This, wait, wait, but wait, wait, wait. This Is this the WrestleMania where she's wrestling more, with, with Kurt Angle? Yeah, I think so. No, okay. I don't know. Or don't is know this the one in New York? This was the one in New Orleans. It was her, like her okay. first match. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. This is the one where she's wrestling Triple H and Stephanie and it's yeah. her and Kurt Angle. And this, yeah, yeah, that's amazing match. Okay. Okay, but so, so then... Dana White comes and his bodyguard's like, everybody loves Dana White. I don't. I could give him a fuck about this idiot. <laughs> um, and his bodyguard is like blocking me and pushing me out of my seat because like everybody's crowded or whatever, crowd, trying to get photos with Dana White. And I had to like, I snapped on his bodyguard. I was like, I don't know who the, I don't give a fuck who that bald dude is, dude. Fuck that guy. I paid for this seat, even though I didn't. I go, I paid for this seat. Give me my fucking space. This is goddamn WrestleMania. And the bodyguard was like, well, absolutely. You're right. You are correct. And then he just started, then he like gave me my space back. And, was <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I can't believe this talk shit to Dana White. It was so fun. But I was, I was mad. I was like, I don't want his autograph. I want to fucking stand up and watch goddamn Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. And if anything, wrestling fans, some wrestling fans might hate UFC fans. No, they did not. No. They very much wanted photos with this guy. Yeah. It was, it was a mad, <laughs> it was real wild. Oh man! Um, oh fuck! Oh dude! And I was sitting next to this football player who was like best friends with Kid Rock, and then he we were talking because Kid Rock got inter- introduced to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And this is a few years ago before he like you know went golfing with Trump. Like yeah, and I, I mean it, it wasn't shocking, but it was a bummer. I can't openly like enjoy uh, Devil Without a Cause or whatever anymore. Um, and he was telling me he was drunk. Which you know, of course, uh, that he was—he could absolutely get Kid Rock to do my podcast, and I was like, "That'd be incredible!" 
<laughs> and then I texted him a few times and he never got back. Oh, that's a bummer. Who didn't like I know Kid, Kid Rock would be um I heard this like okay, so <laughs> so <laughs> there's so I had this friend um who was uh uh, so my, I, I, there was a friend. I had a friend who was who was like best friends with with Jim Carrey, and like his mentor, and they were they were best friends forever. And uh, while Jim Carrey was is Jim Carrey Canadian? Yeah, Jim Carrey's Canadian. Yeah. So this guy, what he's he's passed away uh, since. Uh, like he's passed away years ago. But anyways, he told me this story where uh, he goes, "Yeah, I was down at Jim's place in Malibu." And he goes, uh, he goes, you'll never guess who lives next door. I'm like, who? And he goes, Pam Anderson. I'm like, get out. How hot is she? He goes, we don't know because uh, her boyfriend Rob is always there and Jim's afraid of him. I'm like, Rob? He goes, yeah, he goes by Kid Rock, but his name's Rob. And oh, okay. I was like, I was like, what? What? Wait, wait, what? What? So and it was before it was even public that Pam Anderson was with Kid Rock, you know, in that phase of her career. And right. uh so it was just so weird, and just the idea of, of like, uh, you know, is Jim Carrey gonna schmooze Pamela Anderson? Nope, because bow to de bow bow, fuck Kid Rock's there, so step off, you know. Dude, Kid Rock sucks so bad, <laughs> and I, he, he's just a, such a bad guy. It sucks. He had, he knows how to write strong. He knows how to write a song for a stripper. That's what he's good at. Like, Dude, I, love, I love Devil Without a Cause. Man, he's such a piece of shit now. It sucks so bad. Me and Burns wrote a movie where uh, about the Kid Rock cruise, where it was two two uh, teenagers had to get from Detroit to Miami to get on his to get on his cruise to stop their girlfriends from sucking his dick. <laughs> and uh, we wrote a full like hundred and ten page movie, and it's like they understand why their their girlfriends would do it. And, yeah, because uh, he's so we just don't want it to happen. And uh, man, that movie would never get. It didn't get made then. It definitely would not get made now. No, no, don't. Oh yeah, you know, no. Anything like, like groupie oriented is frowned upon now. Like unless they could do it. Like even if you went back and watched Almost Famous, you're like, I don't know if these are the best choices for these women. You know. Oh yeah. No. Burns Burns was saying, wait till Me Too finds out about 1980s music. <laughs> oh yeah, like. The fact that there's a guy named Kip Winger and he still tours, and when he tours as a fifty-some-year-old man, he has to sing his big hit. She's only seventeen. Seventeen. Daddy says she's too young, but she's old enough. Old enough for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like that's the lyrics to his song. Or Molly no. Crew have so many, you know. But she's legal, you know. Like so many songs. Dude, I was at Tommy Lee's house last week. I don't know if I told you that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm friends with his wife, and I did her podcast. Her name's Brittany Furlon. And, yeah, she's like, come over, you know. She's literally like, come come here. Tell the dude at the gate you're here for Tommy Lee. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I've been there before. And he's really he's really rad. Um, yeah. He's Because my ex-girlfriend and Brittany, we went over there to do the – she went over there to do his podcast, and I was like, well, I want to go. I wasn't even doing it. I was like, I just want to go, uh, and then maybe I'll get to meet Tommy Lee. I absolutely did. He showed me his studio. He's just, like, working on beats and shit. It was so – he's so fucking rad. I was like, this is nuts. Then I went home and read The Dirt, and I was like, oh, man, that guy's so cool. Best is the best. I fucking – whenever I go to L.A., I it's like I do my own Motley Crue tour. I always go to the whiskey. 
right up there is that fucking apartment that they were in from the movie The Dirt. I go to the Rainbow and have pizza. I never get blown from anyone underneath the table. Uh, but still, I love those Motley Crue fucking hangouts, and I love The Dirt. Yeah. Oh, I mean, such a good Rainbow, movie. The Rainbow Room is like, honest, like, I, I don't go that far into Hollywood anymore because it's, it's a nightmare, and I, but like, when I used to try to, when I used to go to the comedy store, I would always go up after the store and go up to the Rainbow and have a beer. And it was like, this is so cool. It felt like, a, like the fact that it's just open to the public, it feels like it wouldn't be, but it is. And yeah. it's so cool. Oh, I was there one time and uh, my buddy, I don't know if you know him, he's a comedian down in LA, uh, Jason Rouse. And uh, he does the comedy store and he does, he does a lot of very shocking and uh, comedy. And uh, he took me to. Uh, the Rainbow one night after we went to see Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses at the Whiskey. So we went up to the Rainbow and there was like a good five or six Canadian comics where it was all sort of hanging out. And uh, it just turned into a party on the patio. And it was so great. And my buddy Rouse was like, Corbin, you can smoke joints on the patio here. And I'm like, what? Is this true? Like, So I had like yeah. all these pre-rolls with me. I just started busting them out. And it's just like... You know, we can smoke weed anywhere in Canada, but you can't sit in a patio and smoke a big fucking blunt. But you could right. that night at the Rainbow. And I'm like, this place is the... I'm like, I'm like, he goes, he goes, dude, you're smoking a joint. Imagine what else has been done off those tables. And I'm like, exactly, exactly. We're rock stars, you know. And it was just, uh, <laughs> it was the best night ever. It was such a good yeah. night. And I, my, I got a picture taken of me of a girl trying to make me smoke her cigarette. So her hand is in front of my face, but it looks like it's my hand like that, but it's hers. Oh, that's yeah. And I took a picture, uh, the picture my buddy gave me. So I posted it one time on my Instagram and I tagged all the rainbow. And then the rainbow recently put uh, the rainbow's open again. And then they, and they're like, come celebrate, blah, 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 blah. And then they showed like their 10 pictures and there's like Dave Mustaine and there's this and there's that. And then like picture eight is like me. And I was oh. like, yeah fucking right i was just so happy that the That's rainbow so cool. no like i was like if lemmy can have a statue this is my statue i'm included in a rainbow collage of great times at the fucking rainbow so to oh, me that's wicked uh we should wind this down i know you got things to do and uh i gotta i gotta i'm going up to ottawa I uh, I got to work this weekend. I got a gigs up, and I'm going to be standing behind a plexiglass window uh, telling jokes. So, uh, Wait, so yeah, how's that going in Canada? Like, because you guys are doing – you guys have done a, infinitely better than we have in the United States of, like – Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The- yeah, there's a, there's a thing that came out in the news that just showed the difference between – it's like the difference between Canada and America. Can it be – The tour boat, right? The tour boats, yeah. There's the Maid of the Mist – and then there's the the Canadian one, but they're fucking saying like, look at every even Canadians are gonna line up for the Maid of the Mist because it's the Maid of the Mist. Nobody knows about the fucking horn blower, the Canadian <laughs> one. Like it's it's called a horn blower. Why? And yeah. so so naturally the Maid of the Mist is gonna be ten times busier because it's the fucking Maid of the Mist. It's a Jeopardy answer. Yeah, really, all it shows is that America's better at business. Ex- like, exactly, and that's what the commercial, and that's what the thing says. It's like maybe because they're better at commerce and more people, 
But Canada is like, oh, no, this is a VIP experience. We're now giving you chicken fingers and a milk, and we're going to charge you $80. You know, like yeah. there are people in the interview going, I'd rather go cheaper on the Maid of the Mist, you know. And, you know, <laughs> like, fuck. What if, so, what if that well, the whole thing that the hornblower does is get people close to look at Made of the Mist. It probably does. And it's like, look at all oh, you'll that. Be, you'll be within feet of Made of the Mist. <laughs> yeah, which is a nice blocker in case anything comes tumbling over the falls someday. But yeah. uh, so so anyway, um, yeah, we're in well, phase three. You're going to go, you're, you're gonna go, you're behind it. Plexiglass and the people are socially distant with masks. Yeah, the club usually fits 200. Uh, they're allowed to have 50 people. So um, they're doing four shows. I'm actually being paid fairly well considering they're not making money. Like they're they're opening their doors to lose money, but, you know, they have to do something. So, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I got two shows tomorrow night and two shows Saturday night for – uh, 50 people each night and I'm on stage behind plexiglass. I'm glassed in I and mean, uh, I'm like a fucking talking I, Barbie doll. I kind of like it because it's like an excuse when you don't sell out. Like, look, it's not my fault. Uh, oh no, I'm I, selling out all weekend. It's 50 seats. No, but, I'm, <laughs> but that's what I mean. I mean. It's like an excuse that you don't have to sell 800 seats tickets now. You sell 200 yeah. and you're selling. It's a good reason to sell 200 and be like, look, I bet it'd be 800. Yeah. It's like risk your life. Come see what is essential. You know. I mean, it's mostly like a social experiment. My girlfriend and I went and ate at a restaurant, like the the one right by our house called House of Pies, and it was just like being. I there, love you know? House of Pies. Yeah, we. That's where I live, right next to it, and so we were just like, let's go, and it was just like, kind of like being on a roller coaster. You know, it's just like, whoa, this is weird. Um, so that sounds cool, man. Yeah, I went to House of Pies uh, on the Thanksgiving. I, I I never realized it was American Thanksgiving on the Thursday one night, and the lineup for the pies was like the most insane lineup ever. But nobody was actually eating inside. We're like, is this the lineup to wait to go in and eat? And they're like, no, this is just the lineup for pies. And we're like, holy fuck! Like they must be going through so many pumpkin pies. It's ridiculous. But anyways, it was delicious food, and we got like crushed two pies after. It was great. So incredible. Yeah. Hey, uh, so where can we find you, Brooks, uh, online and uh, let everybody know? Well, just, yeah, I mean, the only thing I'm really working on right now is my podcast. Check it out. It's entry level. Uh, if you are a fan of this, there will definitely be people that you know uh, that have done that. Like, uh, just, you know, I've done 140, so you're, you're bound to find somebody like we did, like Dolph Ziegler, Colt Cabana just did it, Bill Burr's next week. Awesome. Um, and, yeah, a ton of famous comedians. Uh, so check that out. Uh, it's just where people talk about all the, the terrible jobs they had before they were professional comedians or pro wrestlers or musicians or whatever. Awesome. So check that out. And, uh, you know, you can find us here every week. We're here at Never Sleeps Networks talking wrestling. Thank you for letting me put a, a headlock on your ears for a bit. And uh, stay home, stay, hey, stay safe, and uh, stay hungry. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much, folks, for coming out. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye now. Never Sleeps Network.
This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thank you.